This episode of POMCAST is sponsored by Chrysalis Yarn Company, a one-woman hand-dyed studio owned by Mindy in Dallas, Texas. Mindy's small batch studio offers artisan hand-dyed yarns in playful, enthusiastic colours, from the brightest neon rainbow hues to the moodiest tonals. Mindy strives to offer more than just pretty yarn, though. Chrysalis Yarn Company is about inspiration as well as aspiration. It's about unlocking the creative capacities in every fibre enthusiast. Taking soft and delicate strands of promise, Mindy transforms them into twisted hanks of art through the magic of colour. She asks you to imagine the incredible potential of each unique skein. You are the architect of its imaginative transformation. Visit chrysalisyarns.com or Chrysalis Yarns Co. on Instagram to see Mindy's amazing skeins. Naturally, we're thinking of issue 40 and we're totally enamoured with their new Dreamscape collection, which shares the same theme as our latest issue. We can just imagine a pair of Ravelry socks in the pastel sugar and daydream colourways. Chrysalis Yarns, where every skein is a chrysalis bursting with potential. What will yours become? Hello! Hello. And welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. My name is Lydia Gluck, and I am here with the wonderful podcast co-host, Sophie Heath-Scott. Hello, Sophie. How are you? Hi, I'm very excited. I was wonderful. Thank you. You're always wonderful. (laughs) Oh, so are you. Oh, thanks, man. (laughs) And all you listeners, you're wonderful too. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Yes, all the Pomcats. Um, So today we have an interview with one of our um, pom-pom contributors, Amy Sher whose incredible jumper design with beautiful lace and frill um, is called Effervescent and is the cover star of our latest issue, issue 40. Yeah, we're so excited to have Amy on the Pomcast. At this occasion, you were the solo interviewer. I was, which was unusual. Uh, We missed you, of course, Sophie, but um, we had a wonderful time, Amy and I, chatting about their design for issue 40, the aforementioned cover star, Um, But also how they got into designing and all sorts of other things. They're an incredibly interesting and thoughtful person. Um, And so I really, I know that you're going to really enjoy, you POMCATs are going to really enjoy the interview as much as I did. And I can't wait to listen. Thanks for taking the lead on that one. (laughs) My pleasure. And we've mentioned issue 40 quite a lot already. So it's probably useful for us to say that you can now buy it from LYSs. Hooray! as well as from Pom Pom. But yes, if you have a local yarn store or maybe not local, you order online. I hear that's the thing these days. <laughs> that's uh, what all the kids are doing. Yeah, you can also get it from them. So we're really happy that the spring issue is uh, out in the world, springing out into the world, uh, making everyone's <laughs> knitting dreams come true. It is. And the weather is even getting slightly springier post triple storm. Yes. Had a, <laughs> a lot of wind here. <laughs> a lot of wind here. Uh, to say it lightly (laughs) (laughs) unlike the wind which was not light um and what else has happened oh yes we were unravel very recently the um lovely knitting festival slash get together in farnham in the uk which was the first knitting festival that pom-pom ever attended indeed yeah and um for the uk staff it was the first one we have been to for a long time since the unravel happened at the very beginning of 2020 uh, and then we all know what happened then um so yeah huge thank you to all the organizers and people behind the scenes and 
all the exhibitors, all the stands. It was great to see so many familiar faces and see new faces that we've only seen via email. <laughs> <laughs> and for everyone who came to the stand, said hi, said that they loved the podcast. We had Ali, who's a uh, long-time pomcat, who brought us some mini eggs. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that's that's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing, and it's always so welcome. Ali is just, what a lovely thing to do. And it was so nice, considering especially that it was, you know, this first show back, which was quite a big deal for us. And then to have the warm hug of mini eggs brought to us was wonderful. And it was really great seeing lots of yarn in real life which I haven't done for quite a while, except for obviously the yarn that lives with me in my house. But it was nice to see some <laughs> external yarn. <laughs> external yarn. Mm. <laughs> um, but yes, we had a wonderful time. Um, but we should get back to the interview time. Yeah, we'll have more uh, armchair chat. I like that phrase. I think I'm going to try and keep that. We'll keep coming up with a new name for that, those kinds of episodes every couple of uh, months or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll have more chat about Unravel uh, next episode. But yeah, like you say, Lydia, onto the onto the interview. Let's hear from Amy. So I am here today with Amy Scher, who has a beautiful design, which will be in our spring issue this year. And when you're listening to this podcast, it's possible that you have a copy in your hand, in which case I would say, have a look at the cover. And that is the pattern that um, that Amy designed for us. And I'm really excited to speak to Amy today. So hello, Amy. Hi, Lydia. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Um, we're really, well, I'm, I say we because, of course, normally Sophie will be with me, but she couldn't make it for the interview today. But I and us as a pom-pom team are very excited to have you on the POMcast. So before we get started, I'll just ask you to do a little introduction, if you don't mind, for our listeners. Just tell, tell them a little bit about yourself and your design style. Sure. Uh, my name is Amy Sher. I am a knitting designer and spinner and knitting teacher. My pronouns are she and they, and I am currently living in St. Louis, but I grew up in Taiwan. Um, it's a little island country in Asia, which recently became famous because of the pandemic, but um, in also Los Angeles. So I kind of spent my life across two countries, and that's kind of something that really informs many of my designs, but especially this one. Great. So, of course, you know, pom-pom is many things, but it is in many ways primarily uh, a knitting and craft publication. Um, so I think a lot of people listening will be interested to know um, about your earliest memory of knitting and and also when you started designing. My earliest memory of knitting is um, my grandma never stopped knitting. And actually, her day job was a crochet pattern designer for a factory. So, so there was like a little factory of women who would make crocheted garments. And she was the one who would workshop the patterns and design them. And I learned absolutely nothing from her because we lived so far apart. But um, she would bring me really scratchy sweaters. I remember just being 
itchy. And then um, being in Los Angeles, she would say like, oh, Los Angeles in America, that's so cold. I've got to knit you sweaters. And I never wore them because it's Los Angeles. <laughs> um, so that, that was my earliest memory. Um, I didn't learn to knit until I was an adult, actually only a few years ago. So um, I picked it up just because um, I started buying sweaters for my little one. Her name is Kaylee, and at the time she was a baby. And I wanted her to be a little bit warmer, like all parents do. Um, but I couldn't find a lot of affordable natural fiber sweaters. That's really how this started was um, there was so much acrylic, and I felt like really bad that I was spending my whole budget on sweaters that were not going to keep her as warm as I wanted to. Um, and I wanted to also learn how to knit fair aisle sweaters. So that's how I kind of jumped in to knitting. Oh, so it's been really not that long then since you started knitting, and yeah, yeah. yeah but you telling me about your your grandmother. Um, being a crochet designer reminds me my mom always tells me that my great-grandmother so her grandmother used to be mm -hmm. a, was a professional knitter who knit things for for Rowan and then oh. yeah yeah so I mean she would like make the samples I guess so she was like a, yeah. kind of a sample knitter yeah. and my mom was just like I've never seen anyone knit so fast <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing to know that you kind of had that connection and that maybe yeah. that your craft can connect you in previously unknown ways to your ancestors. Yeah, and it's nice, you know, because I never met my great-grandmother, so it's kind of nice just to know that we've got that in common, even if um, yeah. we never got to meet in person. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so so you picked it up as an adult, and, and so when you started designing, was that kind of from the get-go? Like, did you just sort of dive in because you know knew what you wanted, or was it a bit of a kind of process of making and then going on to design? Uh, so I started designing only last year. I was hosting a podcast called the, sorry, not a podcast, a knit along called the Knit Diverse Knit Along in 2021 in the spring because I really wanted to compile lists of all the makers I admire who might be from um, traditionally marginalized communities, um, LGBTQIA community members and people of color and halfway into the knit along, my friend Jen from 626 Yarn um, dyed up this gradient set for socks um, inspired by the gradient you get in Thai tea when you pour the condensed milk and the tea together and there's a little gradient. And because of um, the rise of hate crimes against Asian Americans during that period, followed by a shooting in Atlanta, we wanted to support our own community because we're both Asian American. So I designed a sock pattern called the Boba Tying Pattern with her Thai tea set. And we raised funds from the proceeds of the set um, of the kits to a fundraising project for uh, Asian sex workers. And we were able to raise $500. And that was really the only reason I jumped into designing. Uh, but once I did, I couldn't stop. And one of the very next things I sketched was a sock pattern that would actually go on to become the effervescent pullover that's in this issue of Pom Pom. Well, sounds like a, a powerful way to start your design career. And it sounds like raising that money, like what a, an important cause to be donating to. And I'm glad that you're 
you know that knitting can help contribute to things like that I think that's that's really one of the wonderful things about the craft community that's one of my favorite things about the craft community for sure is that um whenever something happens to a particular subset of the community there's so many parts of the community that will just band together and support those who are in need right now and I think that's really lovely and um yeah so you mentioned the uh, effervescent pullover that is of course the cover star for issue 40 and we are so thrilled to have the design as part of the issue and um we're really excited for people to have it in their hands and to make it so we'd love to talk a little bit more about that design um and yeah just a bit about the the concept behind the design and any tips for people who um are have added it to the top of their to knit list Sure. Uh, the effervescent pullover was pitched to you at Pom Pom as a sock pattern because that's what I was designing at the time. And um, it was inspired by the Bulla Time socks, uh, which was a Thai tea gradient sock with um, little bubble pearls. Uh, for those who are not familiar, Boba is um, tapioca based little jelly morsels of deliciousness that we put in iced tea. So when you drink the iced tea with a giant straw, you get like a multi-sensory experience. And uh, this pullover was inspired by a different type of bubble tea, uh, a different topping. Um, so aside from bubble tea, um, Taiwanese people have found a thousand and one ways to drink tea. And one of those ways is that we have turned cream cheese and whipped cream into a whipped topping. So it's kind of like having a sip of cream cheese, like of cheesecake with your tea. So it's like an afternoon tea in a cup. That sounds amazing. It's great. So (laughs) and also we like to mix and match toppings. So you can also add like flan or, you know, boba pearls or anything in combination with the cream topping. So it's just one of those things that we've invented as, and we really ran with it and we're very proud of it. Um, The cream cheese topping is what inspired this pullover. I wanted something that combined a leafy lace motif, which um, would recall the tea leaves that we grow in the high mountains of Taiwan, along with a contrast mohair ruffle, um, a texturally contrasted mohair ruffle to represent the cream tea. And I wanted it to be strawberry flavor featuring this beautiful yarn by uh, Geraldine's yarn at The Wandering Flock. Um, When I saw this yarn, it screamed strawberry milk tea to me. And that's really where this design started to take off. Amazing. I think um, in the UK, I think I've heard boba mainly called bubble tea, so I don't know yeah. if anyone listening um, yeah. might. Yeah, I think that is regional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I love bubble tea, but I've never had what you're describing with the cream cheese topping, and I'm going to have to figure out if there's somewhere I can get it around <laughs> here because it sounds so yeah. delicious. I think that might also be regional. So it's one of those things where um, growing up in Los Angeles, I was really hyper aware of these kinds of uh, food and drink trends that were coming over from Taiwan because there's such a huge population of Taiwanese Americans in Los Angeles. And I really do miss that 
but we do have cream cheese bubble tea here and I will be buying some on launch day <laughs> so I can enjoy it with my magazine. Amazing. Yes, that sounds like absolutely the right combination. <laughs> Oh, lovely. Yes, it's and yeah, you mentioned um Geraldine of uh, Wandering Flock, the the yarn used in the in the sample that's on the cover is is her yarn and it's such gorgeous stuff. I can totally see why it kind of captured exactly what you were going for with this one. And we're very pleased to have Geraldine's work also involved <laughs> in this design. Her work for the magazine previously was really inspiring too. So I was just really inspired by her work, like her body of work generally. Yeah, yeah. She's she makes such beautiful things, like her designs and and of course her yarns are just yeah. She's will um we always have a, a blog post or kind of show notes to go along with um the podcast. So we'll make sure to link to uh Geraldine there if anyone listening is is wanting to take a look. And any any tips for anyone who is is thinking about making this pullover? Sure. So um, because I was a first time designer for garments, I actually worked with a grader for this. So um, we have decided to make it a cropped sweater, but you could totally lengthen it in the body. Uh, many of my testers did. I did fully test it and it looks amazing, long or short. And it, it is knit bottom up. So you can just lengthen it before you're drawing it. And um, for the pickup row, um, some of my testers put in a lifeline, some of them didn't. And I know that's probably the scary point. Yeah, hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, I think one of the many excellent things about knitting your own jumpers is that ability to be able to change things like the length, isn't it? And that's it's always good to, um, yeah, to kind of keep that in mind, I guess. So that's that's a good one an impulse cast on ours so sometimes I'll cast on and I'll forget to look for things like that yeah same yeah 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 I'm I'm really good at starting things I'm amazing at starting things finishing them not always great yeah. it's just too exciting sometimes I yeah I need to plan a little bit better sometimes <laughs> yeah buying enough yarn for that longer version yeah yeah exactly well yeah maybe do a little better with the, the sort of weighing of something and making sure that I do have the the amount of yarn I I need for the thing yeah but it's okay it's all you always learn something don't you even if um it's true yeah. even if it doesn't quite work out how you'd planned yeah. <laughs> and I wear many things anyway even with other issues yes yeah exactly <laughs> I feel like there's um there's just there's a lot of joy to be had in these things regardless of if it goes off schedule or off piste maybe more accurately yeah <laughs> and I think that's my goal with this design is um just show the great joy that is being Taiwanese American in Los Angeles. Yes, that's really yeah. what I was going for, that feeling of joy when you take that first sip. <laughs> yeah, well, it's if having that first sip is anything like looking at this gorgeous jumper, then I feel like it's it's pretty, pretty, pretty great. Thank um, you. I'm looking to my left because I actually have a copy of the magazine. Uh, here, which I'm I know so you have excited. Yeah, it's, it's so gorgeous. Brilliant. Okay, so you are no stranger, of course, to um, podcasts and vlogs and similar because you are a regular vlogger yourself um, with your thoughtfully made fibre videos. And we wanted to talk a bit about that and ask you what you enjoy most about making um, the videos and what you've learned whilst making them. I really love to watch um, video podcasts for fibre folks 
because um, I think our medium for art is such a visual one. Yeah, I really love the ones where the vlogcaster disappears for like three months and then they come back and have this long, massive trek of a video to watch and then I could break it up into a few days and watch them. Um, I really love getting into people's process um, of not only what patterns they're using, but the fibers they're choosing. Um, and early on in the pandemic, I was feeling so like craving that in-person connection of getting to touch other people's yarn in the, in the yarn shop while they're knitting and see what they were working with. Um, and I just really wanted to create a space where I could do that with people um, that I know online and share all the things that we're up to and participate more online in these more visual experiences. Um, and it's a really amazing community, the YouTube podcasters. Um, I've learned a lot, um, not only making my own podcast, but also um, watching others and listening to feedback from others about mine. Um, I learned to spin off of YouTube podcasts because of other podcasters showing what they're doing because I learned to spin alone in pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just one of those amazing experiences where we can start to replace a little bit of that in-person connection. And I think that's the thing that um, I learned the most from it is finding ways to connect regardless of what's happening in the world and finding ways to connect with people across the world who I might not have otherwise been able to see face to face. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really wonderful. I think you're, I mean, you're so right about, um, you know, a lot of what we do as, as craftspeople is so visual and Sophie and I often make jokes about, you know, knitting podcast being uh, <laughs> kind of a, <laughs> kind of a funny thing. Like we'll be like, trying to sort uh -huh. of describe something that, um, yeah. you know, would be yeah. much easier shown. Um, so yeah I mean I think actually being able to sort of you know hold something up and show it to your audience has got to be um like maybe a little bit more straightforward sometimes <laughs> that's true that must be tough but it might be a fun limitation too because it forces you to really think about what you're saying absolutely yeah what I think, you're knitting <laughs> yeah I think sometimes things like that can help you sort of think about like how would I describe this wool like you know if I can't just show it to someone like how do I how do I say what it feels like or what it looks like or like what the color kind of makes me think of? Um, and I guess, we got, you know, when I was living in London um, and commuting into the office every day before, um, before the pandemic, um, podcasts were great for when I was sat on the bus. But now, of course, you know, things are so different that watching more content is, is so much easier yeah. like now for me than it would have been before. Ah, that makes sense. That might be why I think video podcasts for crafters have really taken off in the last year. Like <laughs> yeah. Really, really taken off. There's so many new ones. Brilliant. Yeah. It's just so wonderful, isn't it? Because I suppose as a maker, you know, if you're somebody like yourself who mm -hmm. is a knitter and has started designing and then it's kind of, it's, there's something quite natural about going ahead and making another thing, you know, making a vlog because it's again, a creative process that kind of centers around this other creative process and sharing that with people. Yeah, I like all forms of uh, storytelling. So it, it's good to exercise my mind a little bit and try to tell the story in a way that uh, video is to, to me does not come 
naturally at all. So it kind of stretches my brain in a different way. It gives me a break from the spreadsheets. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different kind of challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and as well as your vlog, um, you have a wonderful blog. <laughs> um, I love all these different words that describe slightly different storytelling mediums. It's really hard to keep them straight. Podcast, blogcast, vlog, blog. I know. There's so many of them. Um, but yes, I would absolutely recommend. I mean, I, I um, had a real deep dive on your on your blog um, preparing for this podcast. And it was, you know, one of the best things about my job is having like a good excuse to like really go ahead and you know read lots of really interesting things that um, people like yourself have written and I really enjoyed it um, and we will link to it of course but I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the blog and how you started it um, and the process of creating it. Sure um, when I first started doing this blog it was actually a lot of this content was actually in the form of stories on Instagram, which for those who might not be familiar is a visual format where you type out the words or you say it and caption it, and then it disappears after 24 hours. But your followers who have seen it will have read that information, but then it's just gone. And I had been doing this for years and years and years talking about racism and homophobia and things. Um, but finally I asked, hey, should I put this somewhere permanent? And my followers were like, yes, please put it somewhere permanent so we can read it. Um, and I think it, becoming a designer in this business is really interesting because immediately as you start to submit to magazines, you'll see things that you didn't before. And um, even though um, for example, a bunch of magazines might look very similar in their quality and their aesthetics and the level of editing. Um, working with each one is like working with a different person. Like they all have such distinct behind the scenes personalities. And, um, and I've been very lucky to work with a few organizations so far, including Hom Hom, which by the way, for anyone, Hom Hom is the easiest to work with. <laughs> Um, it has just been the most delightful experience, honestly, but I wanted to make sure that um, that people who are reading the magazines understand that there's a lot that goes into it and that um, making sure that organizations are run equitably from the top to the bottom and that um, designers and photographers and dyers and all the creatives who work on a piece of art uh, should be compensated fairly. And that's kind of how that first post came about because that is not the case in our industry for in many organizations. And Lydia, you know that I would not come on here and talk about this if Pom Pom were not paying me equitably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there have been cases where I receive offers and I'm like, that's like $2 an hour. Mm, mm. You know, I, I it, it's really disappointing in this industry. And I think it's difficult because we all just wanna be friends and share our crafts and get along, but not getting paid equitably would mean that I burn out and leave the industry because I need a job yes. and I need to support my family. And for people who come from historically marginalized communities, that can be really, that can be a huge barrier to entry. And I, I think it's a huge shame that we're probably losing a lot of 
great talent to burn out people who will leave the industry because they can't make a living. So that's kind of how this blog came about, just trying to move the needle a little bit towards a way of thinking that can help people thrive in the industry and not just exist and survive and fight for just being here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I really love about what you do is this sense of accountability and sharing information that is so important because, you know, like in many industries, there's a lot of things that aren't widely known or aren't widely talked about. And I think, you know, we're only as good as the people who work with us say we are. And, you know, there's no world in which I would think that we're perfect. But I think um, it's always wonderful to hear that someone's had a good experience working with us. Um, and obviously, that doesn't mean that we can just rest on our laurels and think like, cool, no, you know, everything's no. finished. But it, it's like good to it's good to know what you're doing wrong and it's good to know what you're doing right. And all like, you know, there's no, not often a, a sort of definite, this is wrong, this is right. But you know, like the, yes, exactly. what, what's working, what's not working, you know, what's making people yeah. feel like they can access working with us. What's um, perhaps preventing that, you know, how can we work towards being more and more equitable? Yeah. On my blog, I make it, I try to make it very clear um, that on the individual level, there's no such thing as perfection. And I don't think there is on the organizational level either, but there's no such thing as the perfect designer who's perfectly equitable and fits all of your marginalized minority boxes. There's no such thing as the sustainable yarn, although there are sustainable options. Um, for example, one of my posts talks about how um, there's lots of barriers to entry to what we consider more sustainable yarn options. Some people might have a medical need, some people might not be able to afford natural fiber. All these kinds of factors play into the choices that we make and we can only really try our best um, to do a little bit at a time and try to you know, move the needle slightly. Yes, of course, yes. And I think um, anyone listening to this you know, hearing you speak about these things, I would absolutely recommend that they go ahead and read your blog and check out your vlog because um, there's a real wealth of really interesting, thoughtful writing. So sure. yeah, I would say it's a, it's a good place to spend a good couple of hours like I did. <laughs> do a lot, lot worse. <laughs> Great. So we often like to round up um, our interviews these days by asking um, our interviewees, you know, what are you excited about right now? It doesn't have to be craft related, of course, if it is, that is more than acceptable, but we'd love to hear, um, you know, what's kind of really getting you excited. Sure, um, and it is craft related. <laughs> um, so lately I've been really enamored with unspun yarn, mm -hmm. particularly the one by, uh, called Nutiden. It's from a small Swedish mill and every color is unique because they'll pick a bunch of fleeces, like a bale of fleeces, kind of touch it and see um, what kind of characteristics it has. Like it might be an old heritage breed that's a little more to be, or it might be like a fine lamb's wool and they'll dye that batch based on what they think it's gonna be really nice as. And every color is unique and only is sold for a month. Wow. And then every month there's like, a handful of colors and each one is unique from each other also and it's just this really interesting experience for me as a spinner because as a spinner i'm used to touching you know like 
single pre-fibers and then it's really interesting to see how it spins up but then Newton kind of gives you the experience without being a spinner it's kind of like spinning without spinning you get kind of sucked deeper into the fiber vortex and real deep into the experience of touching uh unspun fiber and I'm really enjoying working with that so I think that's probably going to be uh, this year is just working with all of those like really small farm small mill type fibers for me brilliant I will have to check that yarn out I have to say I haven't haven't come across it before but it sounds interesting delicious yeah <laughs> oh brilliant thank you um so I think that kind of that brings us to the end there of the questions that we had lined up for you. Um, but before we say goodbye, I just wanted to um, ask you to let everyone know if they want to find you online on Instagram or on your um, website and so on. Where should they go? So again, um, thank you for having me on. My name is Amy Schur and you can find me pretty much everywhere by that handle. Um, it's spelled I'm sure you'll have it in the description and the blog, but um, at Amy Shermix is my handle on social media, on Instagram and Etsy and Ravelry and all those places. And my website is amyshermix.com. Um, you'll find summaries of my patterns and my blog and all those things there. Um, and I look forward to getting to know some of your readers a little bit better because um, I think Pom Pom has such a diverse and uh, engaged readership and it's um, they always come up with really interesting and fun young combinations so I, I, I love seeing um, every issue not only what's in the issue but what all the uh, different creators and knitters come up with so I'm looking forward to seeing um, the rest of this issue and also what all the fans make from this issue. Yeah I mean that's honestly one of the things that Megan and I talk about quite a lot is just so exciting to see what people do you do um, feature uh, fan, <laughs> fan-made uh, things. I think I was featured before I was a Yes, yeah, 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 you were. Yeah, yeah, so we love it. It's yeah. just, it's so, you know, it is that kind of sharing yeah. the, the joy of it. And, and you know, when people come up with a colour combination that you're just like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. And it's, it's just so exciting, I think. Um, yeah. One of my testers knit this sweater with a contrast yoke also from Wandering Flock and a third color as the, the ruffle all from Wandering Flock and it's just got me like deeply regretting my life choices. <laughs> I think I might need one too. That's what so you like. That's yeah. Exciting. <laughs> yeah it's just exciting to see the ways people can take like a single color sweater and just turn it into this beautiful multicolor absolutely yes I love that I love that about it and I'm also very excited to see you know what people do with your design and with all the other designs in the issue um thank you yeah so thank you so much for making the time to join us today or to join me today I keep saying us because I'm so used to it us <laughs> as Pom Pom yeah. me as Lydia and yeah. um yeah it's been such a pleasure thank you so much for having me
But what a delight. Thank you, Amy Sher. Thank you, Lydia, for being such a fantastic interviewer, taking us through Amy's world of designing. So thanks again to Amy for taking the time to talk to me. It was such a pleasure. And thanks, of course, to all you Pomcats for listening. Wonderful. Uh, so that's it for this episode. Just a reminder that the episode was sponsored by Chrysalis Yarn Company. And you can visit chrysalisyarns.com or check out their Instagram at chrysalisyarns.co to see their amazing yarns and beautiful colorways. We will have uh, links to that on the show notes. As always, find them on the Pom Pom blog and we'll have all the details about this interview and about our lovely sponsor too. And now we say bye. Yeah. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Pomcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Heathscott, along with the team at Pom Pom Quarterly Magazine. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe to our online shop. That's pompommag.com forward slash shop. Big thanks, as always, to Eli Block for creating the original music for this show and for being an essential part in creating this podcast. And thanks as well to Portmanteau Music for the tracks we used in this episode. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly. Thanks also to the whole Pom Pom team. What a great team they are. They help us produce this podcast and get it out on time. (laughs) They sure do. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? You know how many stars we want. Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum.